that's a growler. Hello everybody, it's Friday. Welcome to the Never Any Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and you better apologize. The movie, The Never Ending Story. I'm Thomas Howitt. Really? Really? <laughs> I'm an impressed Tierney Steele. And I'm Scott Corelli from DuelingGenre.com. Welcome back, Scott. Thanks for coming. Yeah, Hi. absolutely. We made it through all week, guys. Well, not yet. Well, yeah, yeah. true. We haven't, we haven't finished. <laughs> Someone is ready for the weekend. <laughs> this may end up being a never-ending minute. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, yeah, I went there. Scott, we didn't tell you, but actually, you will be our guest forever. <laughs> it's the second Sandlot reference of the week. Yeah. Sandlot Minute. Whoever's doing Sandlot Minute, I want to guest. <laughs> Just yeah. putting it out there. You weren't here when we were talking about the oh, seduction God. of Bastion. Oh, and how that referenced Sandlot as well. I made Wendy Peppercorn references every minute for a week. Oh, that's too much. Scott, I'm, we're just going to put a uh, pom-pom on your head and call you one of the cast now. I, I really <laughs> love that really love that movie. But I also really love this movie. I swear, we talk about the writing story on this podcast. And today we are talking about Minute 24, which starts with a view of Atreyu, the air quotes warrior, and ends with Chiron saying, if you really are the Atreyu we sent for, and we'll find out next week what the end of that sentence is, but this is the movie where we find, uh, this is, this is the minute where we find out Atreyu is a little boy and that he has the best sass. Mm-hmm. Yes. Atreyu. Now... I think this is probably the best minute to start talking about Campbellian theory. What do you think, Tierney? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Although, what? actually, it came up in a spoilers ahead. I was trying to research about his horse that we were about to meet. Okay. And that took me down an internet rabbit hole from which I didn't think I was going to return. <laughs> and people talking about how the horse had to die because of Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. Which, if you haven't read Joseph Campbell, probably sounds very like a strange sentence. But if you have read, makes perfect sense of Joseph Campbell killed the horse. Why yep. don't you talk to him about a little they bit about fridge the horse? <laughs> <laughs> talk to him a little bit. For those that don't know, explain a little bit about what you're talking about. So, Atreyu has a horse named Artax, who, if you come back next minute, you will get to meet, and it's great. But later in this movie, the horse dies. And if you try and look up what kind of horse this is, the internet will tell you that the horse died during filming, but I have seen many credible websites I put on my librarian researcher thinking cap, and I analyzed the bias of my sources, and I do not think that is true. No, I have heard from Noah Hathaway's own mouth in an interview that that is not true. He did not die. Noah Hathaway got injured filming the horse's death, yes. <laughs> but the horse did not die. It sounds like the horse got kind of upset during filming because people were like, oh, there's film of it happening, which is not true because no one is showing the film of this happening, which pictures are it didn't happen, let's face it. But <laughs> it was on a lifting platform, which is what Noah Hathaway ended up getting hurt. And what it sounds like is the horse was supposed to be trained to the point where it wouldn't react, but the- all right. Sorry, this is now very deep into a minute that is far in our future. 
But the horse is supposed to be calmly accepting as it sinks into Mm -hmm. a swamp of sadness. And apparently the horse actor was not having any of this and did not care about his character's motivation and started (laughs) kicking. And so Noah Hathaway caught the edge of the lifting platform, which he wasn't supposed to do, and had to go to the hospital. And someone was saying the fact that that happened kind of proves that the horse didn't drown during filming because the horse was standing on a lifting platform. Right. So it couldn't have drowned. (laughs) Who wants to give the bare minimum breakdown of what Joseph Campbell's theories with the um, thousand faced hero and stuff like that is? Scott, Scott, are you up for it? I mean, I taught a college course on it. Oh, so. please, please do that. <laughs> That's all you. Let's uh, let's talk. The hero's journey uh, is this thing that Joseph Campbell kind of came up with, but ba- but isn't taking credit for it because he's like, yeah. well, I mean, I didn't really come up with it. The concept of a hero, the hero of a thousand faces, is that every hero's journey and every story through all time is exactly the same. Uh, because we sort of, as storytellers and as story listeners, we're really only satisfied by one story, and that's the hero's journey. And you you can, like, go through and you can – I mean, Joseph Campbell, like, he wrote this book, and each step on the hero's journey, he he sort of puts through its paces, but they're all very metaphorical uh, concepts like meeting with the goddess and things like that. And – I'm not a huge fan of the way that he words uh, his descriptions. I I prefer like a much more sort of uh, to the point uh, description. So like when I was teaching my students about Joseph Campbell, I I sort of told them the bare bones and like where it came from. And then we sort of talked about Dan Harmon, who is a writer. He's the creator of Community. Uh, and he took the Joseph Campbell method and sort of simplified it okay. uh, into an eight-step process, which you can use to sort of structure any story that you ever tell. So it's basically – so you have a character in a comfort zone – but they want something, so they go on a journey to find the thing. They adapt to the new situation that they're in. They find the thing. They pay the heavy price for the thing. And then they return back home having changed. Right. That's essentially what the hero's journey is. And every story uh, fits into that. And you always have those smart alecky students who think you're, they're going to outsmart you. And they're like, uh, what about Pulp Fiction? And it, And then you have to like – bring out the freaking story circle Mm -hmm. with Pulp Fiction and be like, no, look, if you take one character and you put them through their paces, they go through the hero's journey just like every character and every story ever created that has any sort of uh, satisfying conclusion to it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's basically the hero's journey is uh, you – he had – Joseph Campbell had this theory that every story ever told – is really just one story, uh, and we just tell it in different ways. We basically put a different face on it, essentially. What I think is amazing about the never-ending story is 
is it goes into that whole multiple hero thing, like anybody is the hero if you focus on them at the right time. You've got mm-hmm. a Treyu going through the steps of the hero's journey here, where I think the hero's journey talks about the offer and the refusal. and the refu- Refusal of the call, yep. Right, refuses the call, and then acceptance of the call, and a Treyu clearly goes through these steps. And then come the end of the movie, the last 10 minutes, Bastion's going through the exact same thing. He's like, no, I'm going to refuse this um i'm not going to do the call and then he finally comes to accept it and fulfills his his place and ends up like you said back at home as changed person mm-hmm. oh i love this movie <laughs> i couldn't help googling dan Harmon. i just thought of that because i write a book series and right now it's seven and i was like can i make it eight books would that be better um so i had to google the dan Harmon thing and i do love in one description of it, you know, here's a video comes in, video that talks about things, go, and then at the end it goes, and most aggressively, Star Wars. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> I think anyone listening to a Movies by Minutes podcast probably originally heard about Joseph Campbell because of Star Wars, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where it started for me, is Luke Skywalker, or Anakin Skywalker, whichever. Any, any chosen one story, like mm-hmm. any chosen one story in the history of, of cinema or books or anything, when you look at the chosen one, every single one is exactly the same. Like, it's Harry Potter, it's Neo from the Matrix, it's Luke Skywalker. It's Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Although in that case, it's uh, that one's particularly interesting because... Uh, your hero isn't the main character, which is bizarre. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But we're the only hero where someone asks the bat if he's a nutcase first thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is what the Night Hob says, right? Yes, it is. I wrote it down myself. <laughs> he's so great. He's like, is he a nutcase? <laughs> like, his actual questioning of it is so perfect for this movie. <laughs> and even, even Bastion's like, really? He's just a little kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone has their hesitations. And I, as much as I feel for Atreyu when Moses Gunn laughs, he's so authoritative that if he told me my name wasn't Tierney, I would have to think about it for a sec. Be like, no, no, it it definitely is. Is there another one? No, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the hero's journey, I think, is largely the reason why a lot of people have problems with or, or, or getting sort of that superhero fatigue with origin stories. They're just like, oh, not another origin story. What they're really what they're really having problems with is that it's they're they're seeing the hero's journey. Yeah. It's uh, too- they're and they're recognizing it and they're uh you know, the origin the superhero origin story is the roughest of all of those right. because it's very obvious yeah, of what's very going on. It's always very ham-fisted, yeah. But then, you know, look, it's it's always very ham-fisted, but then in the sequel, it's not, but it's still a hero's journey. Exactly. Yes. We, we like it subtle. <laughs> yeah. Well, in here, I mean, I loved this movie as a little kid. I certainly didn't know anything about philosophy theories or storytelling structure. This is just the fairy tale story, really. Mm-hmm. Now, S- Scott, you're doing Spider-Man Minute now. Do you intend to do all the iterations of the Spider-Man movies, like the Andrew Garfield, the Tobey Maguire, and the new Tom Holland? Yep. 
and and possibly the animated film that Sony's doing, but we're not we're not sure yet. We'll decide when we watch it. So, <laughs> what are your thoughts on going through the same <laughs> origin story multiple times? Um, I mean, just twice, uh, right? Because because Holland's not doing an origin story, right? I think it'll be an interesting to compare and contrast the two to see what ones. You know, what one does right where the other one does wrong or and vice versa. So it'll be interesting. Not to be Star Wars minute, but my dad very much appreciated the Garfield ones purely because he was a Gwen Stacy fan. Mm-hmm. And so I put on the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and within like five minutes, he was like, I'm out. MJ is not for <laughs> me. And also that's not MJ. And I don't know what's going on because they gave her red hair, but this is ridiculous. And where is Gwen Stacy? <laughs> I, I kind of liked Garfield because he was on Doctor Who. <laughs> that's so, right. He was. We all have our, we all have our reasons, mm. but I, I have been saying for years that they needed to move on when they reboot things. They always start over with the origin story. Mm-hmm. Which drove me insane. So well, I appreciate I, what they're doing with Holland. Yeah, and I, and I mean the 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 reason they do it is because it makes it a cakewalk. You know, <laughs> you don't have script issues when you're doing another origin story because it's right there. Like yeah. you don't have to even the think story's about it. written for you. Yeah, it's like yeah. paint by numbers. You know, so it's I, I understand why it's tempting to do the origin story over and over again because it's easy. And it, to me, it almost feels cheap because it feels like. Almost a, a backslap at the person that did it first. Like, oh, I don't like the way you did it. I, th- I think I can do it a little better. And I don't think that was necessarily necessary. Ooh, right. Necessarily necessary. To me, <laughs> I love that phrase. It depends on how it's done. Something that is so different from the way it was originally done doesn't bother me because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I'm doing this thing that's totally different than what you did. What you did is cool. We're mm-hmm. just going to do it this way. And so that's why I don't mind, like, when they do the remakes, which people are crying their tears of injustice of the remakes lately that have been coming out. And some of them are bad. Some of them are good. I like the ones that you can judge on their own merits. Mm-hmm. If you can judge it not, oh, but compared to the original back in the 70s or in the 80s, well, now you can decide if it's a good or a bad movie. You have to have it different enough that you can take yourself out of it. And I do feel like with the Tobey Maguire Garfield Spider-Man, it's like, that did not feel like a gap or a significant change. Like, obviously, yeah, they did very different. They did different things, but it was still very much the Spider-Man origin story. And it mm-hmm. didn't feel like it had been that long since I watched the same story. Exactly. <laughs> right. I almost feel like they could have just done a quick flip book of the origin and we would have been just as satisfied with it. Yeah, the- and, 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 and some – and I mean in the case of some superheroes, like they're better not to have an origin. You know, like Green Lantern would have been so much better if you didn't have the origin because the problem with <laughs> Green Lantern's origin is the ring chooses the person because they're the most worthy. So then if the, your character just whines and moans about not being worthy of the ring the whole time – and you know that the ring chooses the person yeah. and is like, yeah, I chose them specifically because they were worthy of the <laughs> ring. It's like there's absolutely no drama and you have no reason to like this character. And that's um, where 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Where, whereas if you just start with, oh, yeah, they're cops in space. Well, <laughs> right. that's why do you need an origin for that? People, most people probably wouldn't even assume that there was an origin if you just started as cops in space. Right. So. And for that one, I think they're, one of their big problems is they're trying to, to follow the Campbell checklist. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, he has mm-hmm. to refuse it. He has to think he's not worthy. And then mm-hmm. he comes to accept it and you end up tearing your own script apart because you're trying to follow a plot line that if you just write naturally, it'll happen itself. And honestly, some people will think they are worthy of being a superhero and you can write that character. Right. Give us that character. Right. Oh yeah. That's, I actually appreciate that when like in Deadpool, it's just like, yep, this is me. Here's my story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend to conform to anything. Right. Right. So back to Never Ending Minute. Of course, nobody here expects a traitor to look the way he does or to be the way he is. Um, and of course, that's a very, very ham-fisted way of saying, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Look deeper Hey-o. into somebody, right? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> look deeper, people. That and, and we're going to get a lot of that in this movie where we really need to look deep inside ourselves or deep inside the character to see what's going on and not to just accept what's going on on the on the the outside edges of it on the on the in the front i should say so i mean even stuff like the gamork later on he's oh he's a scary wolf but no that's not really what he's all about i'm trying to focus and have actual thoughts and i am so distracted by the extras over atreyu's shoulders including the two gray fairies that look like every bored kid in a school play Uh, ever so remember when i said i couldn't read my note what my note said was bored fairy there we go i'm glad i could help (laughs) yeah this is i mean this is the starting out on the journey story which i'm curious now i'm trying to think over in the book chiron actually goes to the plains people yes and oh i can also talk about how different they look in the book but first of all i will say so Chiron does make this announcement of there's one person who can help us help us to try you you're our only hope i'm gonna go get him and he goes and gets them and it says he actually like drops from exhaustion when he reaches the village because he's been running when he's a horse uh galloping for <laughs> days and days on end and he collapses, and when he comes to, there's they say, like, well, Atreyu's out in a hunt, we'll go get him. When he comes to, there's a kid standing over him. And apparently it's that Atreyu was supposed to go on the hunt that, like, proves he's a man. <laughs> and he got called back because this messenger arrived and called for him. And then Chiron tries to be like, but you're a kid, you can't do this. And he goes, look, buddy. You call me back. I'm not going to be a man in this village because of you. What's the quest? I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's I oh man, I really love that cuz it's <laughs> it's literally like he's about to go on a hero's journey and he and and, and he just shows up and goes, "No, no, no. Not that one." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Scott, you'll find out watching this movie if you delve in deep that this is a movie all about being meta. It's all about the story within oh, yeah. the story that's in the story of the story. Yeah. It just fits. And I'm, I'm sad we don't get that scene, but I also do love this. It's so, okay because I think it would have had a big problem with that scene, Tyranny. Because in the book, it's later stated that... There are no, there's no such thing as distance in Fantasia because things are only as far as you 
need them to be. You just travel in a direction, you think about the place you want to go, and you're there. And uh, I don't know. convenient. I know. We're so, not going to know that for quite a while, though. Yeah, I just don't understand how he would be exhausted after doing a trip like that. Well, he was. He was very tired. Mm. I remember that much. <laughs> on, the, uh, on the right side of the screen, on the um, close-up of Atreyu, there's a guy in the back. It looks like some sort of puppet, but it looks like uh, he it looks like the ice wizard guy from Adventure Time. Um, what second are you at? Uh, I'm at 33. Um, okay. Like, but on the on the right side of him, in the back, he's got he's got like an it looks like an ice beer. He's a very weirdly shaped little creature back there. Oh, I wish yeah. he wasn't out of focus. Our, yeah, our vulture who isn't a vulture. Well, and. Um, the world's tiniest Puritan is here mm. on the left of the screen, and, and Multiface is back. But Multiface is back, and we actually I don't mind get to, that she's not in focus. We actually get to see her real face, I believe. If you yeah, go to they, like, they use her real face in the wide shots because yeah. she can be more emotive with it. Yeah, she can turn her head the correct directions, right. and, and it's not distracting because she's like in the she's either far away or out of focus. Yeah, yeah, we have dwarfs. I don't know if you guys noticed, but we have dwarves. Mm-hmm. They is look that... like little mini Hagrids. <laughs> yeah, what's, is what's... that what those are? You're right. They are little mini Hagrids. Yeah. But they are actual yeah. dwarves, though. I mean, they have kids right. here, and they have actual dwarves. Even <laughs> the girl, that, the lady that looks like Urgo's sister, I think, is a small person. I can't believe there's no cast list. And if you thought I was being obtuse earlier when I said that Toad was here, you now know that Toad is actually here. It is a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you look cool. at second 37, he's it's a mushroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got oh, like a... beautiful. He's got like a mustache and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you were right. It is a three-headed wolf goat thing <laughs> in the back. That has one arm or paw sticking out. <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Oh, Super creepy. Oh, boy. Oh, God. And now I'm looking at the multi-face and the side face. <laughs> it's no good. So what I think it's interesting about Atreyu's costume design here is that, you know, it's obvious that they were trying to go with a nice blending um, color spectrum because he's out hunting <laughs> in these fields and stuff. But then they give him this super colorful... Um, oh gosh, what's the term? Quiver. Quiver, thank you. They give him the super colorful quiver to go with it that's going to clearly stand out in any kind of hunting situation. I wonder if, because he'd mostly be wearing that, he hunts from horseback, it seems like. So I wonder if the idea is like, well, it's behind him. No, because he'd get off the... I'm just... Hmm. I'm trying... What I'm trying to get across is that if you're on a horse, you're not inconspicuous. True. But the words are not coming together. I think the, the biggest place together. where I thought that they were trying to be um, stealthy is the way his skin tone matches the tan leather of that he's wearing. Are you so, setting me up for a transition to talking about the book again? Sure. Because... Let's talk about skin tone. <laughs> Atreyu is a member of the Greenskins. Oh. The green-skinned people who hunt the purple buffalo. Um, on behalf of Gal Gadot and myself, I would like to say thank you for deciding not to go that route. 
they actually tried it a couple times um, in different ways. And the, they were talking about this in the production, how they tried tinting him with lights. They tried tinting him with makeup and none of it worked out. So they finally just said, no, we're not going to do it. We're just going to make him normal flesh toned. Mm. Well, they still gave him like olive skin. So it works. Right. Oh, so tyranny at second 34, 35. Are you ready? We get the L'Oreal turn. <laughs> the hair. <laughs> maybe he's born with it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's makeup. Oh. Maybe maybe it's yeah. Maybelline. But no, his hair swooshes in this way. <laughs> like they had to condition that stuff for hours beforehand. That hair flip is great. Mm. That's well, some sass. Right? Yep. Yep. Well, it always makes me think of. I just remember which. It's got to be in Two Towers where Aragorn pushes the doors open and his hair is wet and dripping in his dramatic entrance. Uh And when I was working at summer camp, there was a girl who I just remember one day out of nowhere just wistfully went, my hair will never be as pretty as Aragorn's. (laughs) And then explained she was thinking of that scene. And so every so often I'll see something like this where it's like, yep. I mean, I'm I'm attracted to you, but also want your hair, like, want to be you. (laughs) You're not supposed to have prettier hair than me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I have the pretty hair and the smaller jean size, please. Although, he is a young boy, and I should stop objectifying him. But for the record, when I first was a child, like, I was a child when I was objectifying him. I want to make that clear, like... I do not now look at a 12-year-old boy and be like, ooh, baby. It's like, no, 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 no. Just your hair is very nicely conditioned. We're mm. good. We're good here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching the minute. That's why I'm pausing <laughs> for a second. That's always the best when you get distracted by your own. Actually, my favorite is when I'm taking notes and then just, I'm like, I could I could just let it run. I could just watch <laughs> the rest of this movie, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why, I, um, that's why I actually... Went with the broken up minutes portion instead of just trying to say, okay, look at minutes 17 through 19 or something like that. Well, I always offer our guests because I send them ahead of time, just a little peek behind the curtain for our listeners. I send our guests links to their minutes ahead of time. And I always say around it, please let me know if you need more of this movie, if you don't remember what's happening around this, because I don't want to assume people have access to it. And I also don't want to assume that people remember a movie from their childhood. True. Mm-hmm. So I always try and give a heads up of, if if you need more, let me know. So Bastion here, I'm trying to find the moment, instantly connects with the idea of Atreyu. When he talks about him being a little boy, he's like, oh my gosh, he's not some hero that I can just worship from, from afar. He's just like me. Which, of course, we know is the point of the story, but Bastion's not expecting that. But he he's instantly on board with it once he finds out. He's like, ooh, this is, this is my kind of story, which, of course, Coriander knew it was going to be. Yeah, I always uh, – when I was watching this as a kid, I – for whatever reason, I thought that Atreyu and Bastion were the same person. So, like, I thought Bastion was playing Atreyu somehow – 
And and so like it was like uh like when he was making that reaction, having that reaction to Atreyu, he was like, "What am I doing in the book?" That's always how I read it as a kid. Obviously, not the same actors, but yeah, for whatever reason, as a kid, I thought they were the same. Well, in um, your defense, there is a, that line is actually in the movie. Closer to the end, when he's going through the Sphinxes, he's told to look into a mirror and he's going to see his true self, and he sees Bastion. Oh. So you just picked up on what the movie was yeah, talking he, about. He says, okay. what am I doing in the book? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So that explains why I thought that. All right. Yes. Fair enough. Now, did you watch this a lot growing up? Or what, what's your history with this movie? I, uh, yeah, I did. I, this was one that I never, when it, like, as a kid, so, like, I saw the second one in theaters. I remember that, and I was very excited about it with, with the box office bunny short that ran before it. <laughs> but uh, I remember that specifically, but I, I, my dad must have, my dad had like a collection of uh, videotapes that he recorded movies off of HBO that he thought I would like. And then others that he thought I would like when I was late, like older. And so he would like record them and then save them for years. But this one he recorded off of HBO and he was like, you should watch this. You might like it. And I remember the first time I watched it, I didn't really like it very much. Um, and then, but then like, it would be like the next day I would just like find myself watching it again (laughs) because there was something about it that I wanted to like and I wanted to understand. And so like, this was my like never ending story. Like for me as a kid was sort of my like high intellectual movie. Like it made me feel like a grown up watching it because even though it's about a kid, and about like Atreyu being a kid, like Atreyu doesn't act like a kid in the movie. And so no, like as a kid, I don't see him really as a kid. I see him as like, oh, he's supposed to be an adult. And so for whatever reason, this movie just struck me as very mature. I always wanted – I wanted to like it until I got to the point where I watched it enough that I just loved it. And watched it all the time and was very excited for the sequel uh, when it opened in 91, I think. So, yeah, like I, I watched this one all the time and I and I liked the sequel fine, but it, it had a very different vibe and just didn't really feel like never ending story other than like Falcor and the rock people right. uh, being in it. Never saw the third one, though, although I don't know many people who did. Um, I've never seen either of the sequels. Neither so. oh, I've seen two, but not three. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this one, I mean, it just, it has a very, I mean, it's, it's just this, it's beautiful, this movie and uh, all of like the creature effects and everything. It just, it feels like the kind, the weird kind of movie that could only be made in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. And yet oddly somehow still holds up a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. I mean, you know, like even the overwrought dialogue, like the kind of like semi cheesy dialogue, very on the nose sort of dialogue feels like it's just a part of this world. Like right. it pulls it off in a way that, you know, something like the Star Wars prequels don't pull off the on the nose dialogue. And I mean, you know, like the craft is definitely different here. The cinematography is definitely different here. I don't know. There, there's something about how 
earnest this movie is that I really respect. And I like that it manages to be this really earnest fantasy film at the heart of it while also being like an 80s adventure movie mm-hmm. on the Bastion side. Yep. Um, it's these two completely different things and it manages to be both of them and stick the landing on both of them. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, in a way that is like shockingly well done. So you were talking about it, um, Atreyu being a mature person. And, you know, as a child, we don't necessarily see these things, but Atreyu is actually the personification of the person that Bastion's dad wants him to be. Even though it's set in a fantasy setting, he's the mature one. He's got his feet on the ground. He knows he has a purpose and he has to get through it. And that comes more to play in the book where at the very end, Bastion is lost in in his own fantasies so much so that he's losing himself. And it's Mm -hmm. Atreyu who grounds him again, gets him back to his self and helps him grow into that more mature person. It's crazy meta, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> It'll blow yeah. your mind if you really think about it. Yeah. It's really good. No, yeah. I, I definitely love the metatextual elements. I wish that the metatextual stuff in the movie was done a little more – like I wish it wasn't as obtuse as it is. Uh, in the movie, like it, you know, to the point where it almost feels like a twist ending yes. when they're like, you're part of the story too. And Bash is like, whoa, whoa, what? Like <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very much like a twist ending. Um, as opposed to like, I wish it was a little more, um, I guess, uh, incorporated into the movie as much as it sounds like it is in the book. I think they tried, especially with the big speech at the end when the Empress is talking to him, how she Uh says, you know, this story exists because you're reading it and it's fantasy there, but there's also people reading your story right now Mm -hmm. who are, and it's talking about the viewer of the movie and it takes it even that one more step. Like, you know, just, just watching this movie, you've become part of the story as well. And there's maybe there's somebody watching your movie, you know, that's, that's well, and then she breaks the fourth wall. Right. Essentially. She's saying Bastion, but she's looking directly into the camera. Right. And yeah. It oh it really works, but you're right. I think it's a movie that rewards multiple viewings. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand that's great, but on the other hand, you're right. There there's a lot of telling instead of showing at the end there. Yes. Because uh-huh. I think they got kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding it's really rewarding going through minute like by minute like this as well. Like I'm finding even more you metatextual stuff that's that I may not have noticed before now that I get to really dig into it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> enough, enough gushing about this wonderful movie, right? Yeah. We we did warn this would be the never-ending minute. Yes. <laughs> this is definitely our longest, so... Scott, do you want to but, plug yeah. anything? Are you all done with this minute first, I guess I should ask? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't think there's anything else. Um, but thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, so I'm I'm from uh, DuelingGenre.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and stuff. Like I plug everything that I do uh, on on Twitter and Facebook mostly, but I'm just at Scott Corelli. And then uh, on on uh, 
dueling genre, I do well, – I've got 340 episodes of Back to the Future Minute that I did with my co-host, Nick Jimenez. And uh, I'm currently the co-host with uh, Zach Luna on Spider-Man Minute covering uh, Sam Raimi's uh, 2002 film. Great podcast. <laughs> going – oh, thank you. Um, going uh, on forever, presumably. <laughs> Nick and I are on hiatus after wrapping up Back to the Future Minute, but we will be back actually very soon because we're going to cover space. But we're doing Cornetto Minute, which is uh, Edgar Wright's uh, trilogy of films, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. We're going to cover those uh, one minute at a time, That's starting awesome. with Shaun of the Dead. But we're going we're gonna to start by covering Spaced episodically, which was the TV series uh, that uh, they did together. Um, before doing Shaun of the Dead. So we're starting that up, like, um, I believe in June. So probably by the time this gets this comes out, that'll already be happening. Cool. There's that. And then, of course, uh, Geek by Night, the original audio drama that uh, I, I write and produce with Nick, my writing partner. It's a story about uh, fandom, friendship, and superpowers. That's awesome. Sounds incredible. I really want to get into that one. Not not to say we're at the quality level of uh, of a Buffy, but if you like a Buffy, <laughs> uh, it's definitely um, – that's the tone that we're sort of trying to hit. Now, are you going to have a musical episode? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, it is – I kid you not. It is a Patreon goal. Oh, um, wow. To do a musical oh. episode. I we, we have an episode that we want to do. We want to do it. And we have so many talented singers in our cast – um, that we want to do and, it. But. And do you have one person who's a really great actress and knows she's not a great singer, and so she's going to do one a dance, yeah. show a dance on the audio <laughs> show? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, we we definitely do, Sorry, and we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll figure out something for them to do. But uh, uh, yeah, we do have very very talented, uh, and and our one of our actors is also our composer, so he would help us write the songs yeah. and. Uh, it's, that would be uh, awesome. Yeah, so so uh, you know that's a Patreon stretch goal at some point. Awesome. So well, hopefully some people listening to this will come your way. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Tierney, do you have anything you want to plug today? I will plug my other podcast. It's also Movies by Minute podcast. Return to Oz Minute is about the 1985 movie. It's also live action mid 80s for children, but maybe a little bit over their heads. <laughs> Uh, in that it is a sequel to The Wizard of Oz that is much darker. I almost said bleaker, but we're trying to keep it positive. <laughs> and I do that with Mike Carlucci over, you can find us at returntoozminute.com. We're also on Twitter at OzMinute. And if you follow me on Twitter, I'm One Steel Sister, and I have links to both Twitter for both Return to Oz Minute and The NeverEnding Minute in my profile. Didn't you just... Um, guest host on something recently about Wonder Woman? I'm not sure when that's coming out, but if you look at older episodes of the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, we did an all-female panel. Actually, it was Kathleen Mocklin who hosted on behalf of Brad because they wanted women talking about Wonder Woman before it came out. And we did that dropped the week before the movie was released. And then... I saw it. Kathleen saw it. We finally talked Emily into seeing it, even though she doesn't like superhero movies. And we all loved it so much that we're getting back together and doing a follow-up episode. Nice. Talking about 
how Wonder Woman did at the box office, and I have to find the numbers from Batman versus Superman <laughs> to compare it. <laughs> I still haven't done that. Thanks for reminding me, making a note to do research tomorrow. But yes, those will be out by the time you're hearing this. If you go look at the Cosmic Geppetto podcast on their back episodes. I've been on that show too. Oh yeah. It's it's really great. I'd like to do it where I actually talk to Brad sometime. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Wonder Woman really did it right here. For for once DC actually managed to do one that isn't a disappointment in some way. Mm-hmm. Where I felt like there are good points to, you know, Batman vs V Superman. There are good points to Man of Steel and Stuff like that, but there's so many down points. Yeah, not to drag Suicide it. Squad. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, no, I'm, no not mentioning that. I'm not mentioning <laughs> that, that which shall not be named. But there, There's about three seconds of uh, Margot Robbie that I very much enjoy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, because I love her anyway, so I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy for you. You're doing great. It's too bad you're in this... Ter- Actually, yeah, that was hard because also, like, there were good people... That just weren't doing good things. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Wonder Woman did great. I loved it. Yeah, I was going to yes. say, we cannot end the week on that. So yeah. <laughs> no. All right. So if you want to find me, you can find me at one. Oh, Mike. I almost said one steel sister. <laughs> oh, come over and visit. Right? You can find me at the Wookie Lives on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to learn more about NeverEnding Minute, come on over to the page NeverEnding Minute, or you can join the NeverEnding Minute Listener Society on Facebook. We'll talk about it. You can tell stories. You can ask questions. Check out more podcasts over at growlermedia.com, and check out Movies by Minutes. If there's other movies you enjoy and you want to see if there's one for a particular movie that you'd like, Guess what? It may already be there. And you can go ahead and check out back episodes of that. I think that's all I have. And thank you again, Scott, for coming out and joining us this week. Absolutely. Next week, we get to see if Atreya will accept this mission and go on this journey. But that's another another story. story that shall be told another time. Guys, he's going to take the mission. Don't worry. See you Monday. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler. I'm keeping your bones.